The Adventure of the Holub Tree is the heavily damaged 12th tablet in the Gilgamesh epic that was found in the Royal Library of Nineveh. Its contents is disconcerting to scholars as the final chapter of the epic because it would seemingly resurrect Enkaidu from the dead for gratuitous and incoherent conclusion. The end of the epic with Tablet 11, where Gilgamesh returns to Uruk after his wanderings, seems much more fitting and closes nicely with an epilogic passage that poetically parallels the prologue in Tablet 1. But this adventure of the Halub tree is a traditional Sumerian tale of Gilgamesh and was appended by the Nineveh compiler for some importance, perhaps as further elucidation of the central theme of death, or rather, the meaning of life in the midst of death. I find its color and its archaic lore mysterious, and so included where other renditions have omitted it. I have rendered it perhaps more poetically and liberally than my other renditions here, so as to evoke its strangeness. We should remember that in traditional oral storytelling, tales concatenate spiritually related matter, even if they are otherwise illogical. Relation rather than logic rules the story. Still, in deference to our modern sensibilities, I have opted to place the tale among the series of adventures that precede the death of Enkaidu and the final wanderings of Gilgamesh. The Halub tree, called the Halupu tree in Sumerian, is an unidentified tree. Some suggest it is a willow. Others suggest a poplar. Joseph Campbell, in his Oriental Mythology, has associated it with the archetypal world tree, like the giant ash of Yggdrasil in the Norse mythology. It is commonly also identified with the tree of life and is related to a number of representations in art. In one representation going back to 2500 BCE, the tree is included with the image of a snake and a male and a female couple, as we might expect in the story of Genesis. In an Akkadian frieze that was found at the library in Nineveh, the image of the tree of life is portrayed with two priests accompanied by two eagle-headed creatures, one of which is picking fruit from the tree, which resembles, according to some scholars, maize, but most scholars would associate that fruit with the pomegranate. Finally, among the mysterious references in the tale is the reference to a game, including the object called the puku and meku. It may have been a stick and a hoop, which were used as a sort of sport in a kind of field hockey. The game is associated with Ishtar and fertility rituals. Games for rituals occur in other cultures too, 
Mayan warriors played a ball game in a courtyard while observed by the city, in which the ball and the players represented a cosmic contest, and the winners were executed, at least sometime. Here, then, is the adventure of the hollow tree. The river Euphrates runs through the park of the Temple of Ishtar. In the park, next to the river, there is the halub tree, sacred to Ishtar. She planted it when the world was first created. It has grown there since that day on the river's edge. Ishtar loves this tree. All manner of birds make homes in it, crane and duck, thrush, and the alulu bird, the hawk even with the sparrow. Her snakes also live amongst her birds. Its wood is fragrant, its flowers all over like a meadow, like a high hill with many colored flowers. It is so huge and widespreading. Bees want to make their honey in it. Gilgamesh sleeps beneath it, and his friend Enkaidu rests with him. Gilgamesh wanted to make a gift to Ishtar from the wood of the tree. He wanted to give her a chair, hewn whole out of its girth. He wanted to frame and fit a handsome bed out of its great boughs. And with the wood that was left, in her honor too, he would make a puku and meku for the sports he liked to play, which were also in her honor. Gilgamesh wanted to cut down the hollowed tree, so that it would fall away from the river back into the park. But as he struck it, it toppled, completely uprooted. And in the house of its roots, a dark, deep entrance gaped. The earth below, where the dead go, opened up to the earth above, where living men are. Then the tree itself slipped and shuddered, then slid entirely down that hole like it had been seized, and sank down until the tallest branches were barely seen, going from this world down to the next. Gilgamesh lamented, What can I do now to make my puku and meku? The woodworker will not go down there for me, or his wife will be angry with me, his daughter will be angry with me. Then his wife must be my wife, and his daughter must be my little sister. Then Kaidus said, Gilgamesh, my brother, do not be sad. Do not cry this way. I will go down and bring up your puku and your meku. Gilgamesh warned Enkaidu, If you go down to the earth, you must follow my instructions. You must not wear clothes that make you stand out. You must not wear perfume or they will smell you and gather around you, 
Do not startle them. Do not threaten them. Or else the ghosts will collect to you like flies. Do not wear shoes. Walk softly and make no noise. If you see them, you must not kiss the wife you love. You must not hit the wife you hate. You must not kiss the son you love. You must not hit the son you hate. For the earth's outcry will seize you. She who sleeps and sleeps, the mother of Ninazu, who forever sleeps, whose garments loose about her shoulders and show her breasts, which are like peaches, not the pendulous udders of old women. And Kaidu did not follow his friend's instructions. He put on a clean garment, and so they recognized him at once as a stranger. He made too much noise because he wore his shoes. He was anointed with perfumed oil from an ointment jar, and so they gathered around at the smell of him. He tossed a stick down in the darkness to see what it might hit. It hit them, and so they went after him. He threatened them with a club off the tree, and they flew around him like bats. When he saw her, he kissed the wife he loved. He hit the wife he hated. When he saw him, he kissed the son he loved. He hit the son he hated, and the earth's outcry seized him, because she who sleeps and sleeps, the mother of Ninanzu, who sleeps forever, awoke. When Enkaidu tried to climb back up, it was not the judge of the dead Namtar who stopped him. It was not the demonic Asaku who chased him and held him back. The earth itself seized him. The croucher Ukur did not grab his ankle. He did not fall in flight from ghosts. The earth itself seized him. Kaidu did not return, Gilgamesh went to Elil and complained, My father, today my Puku fell into the earth, today my Meku fell into the earth. And Kaidu went down to get them for me. The earth seized him. It was not Namtar that stopped him, it was not the Asaku that held him back. The earth itself seized him. The croucher Ukur did not grab his ankle. He did not fall in flight from ghosts. The earth itself seized him. Elil did not answer him, but went alone to the temple of Sin, who is god of the moon. And he said, My father, today the Puku fell into the earth. Today the Meku fell into the earth. And Kaido went down to get them. The earth seized him. It was not the judge Namtar that stopped him. It was not the demonic Asaku that held him back. The earth itself seized him. The croucher Ukur did not grab his ankle. He did not fall in flight from ghosts. The earth itself seized him. 
Sin did not answer him, but went alone to the temple of Ea, and he said, My father, today the puku fell into the earth, today the meku fell into the earth. And Kaidu went down to get them, the earth itself seized him. It was not Namtar that stopped him, it was not the Asaku that held him back. The earth itself seized him. The croucher Uker did not grab his ankle. He did not fall in flight from ghosts. The earth itself seized him. Ea answered. He spoke to Ukor, the consort of the queen of the underworld, the earth. Young man, you must open up the passage from the earth and let Enkaidu escape. Like a gust of wind, he should get loose. Let him return to his brother Gilgamesh. Ukur did it. He opened the hole, and Enkaidu escaped like a gust of wind. Gilgamesh and Enkaidu met. They embraced and kissed. Gilgamesh wondered and wanted Enkaidu to tell him, no matter how painful it was, tell me, my friend, tell me what you found. Enkaidu said, I cannot tell you. Gilgamesh said, even if you must weep and be sad, tell me. Did you find your wife? Did you touch her? Weren't you happy to see her? Or had the worms and rats damaged her looks? And your son, how was he? Weren't you happy to see him? And Kaido said, I saw my wife, and she was sad, and begged me to pity her. I saw my son, and he was sad, and begged me to pity him. I saw many others I knew, one man who wept bitterly, one who had only bread to eat, another who had only water to drink, one man who was a horse driver for them now, another who is scribe for them now. One man cries for his mother. Another man I saw is one you know who died suddenly. He is lying in his bed sipping water. I saw one you killed in battle. His father and mother still grieve for him, even there. His wife still weeps for him. I saw one whose corpse was abandoned in the open country his ghost will not sleep. I saw another one, you know, whom no one mourns. He has to eat the scraps that the other ghosts leave in the streets. And Gilgamesh asked, Did you see my stillborn children, who never knew life? Did you see them? How are they? And Kaidu replied, they play at a table that is laden with butter and honey. Gilgamesh asked, Did you see the one who died in the fire of his own house? Did you see him? How is he? And Kaidu replied, His ghost is not there. His smoke went up to the sky. All this and more Gilgamesh would know. It is said that Gilgamesh himself 
after he had died, becomes a judge in the underworld, where he himself decides such fates for those who die. Gilgamesh cares even for those who have no one to bury them, or to speak their names, or whose name nobody knows.